We've been in Daniel since February. The book of Daniel, chapter 12. We come to the conclusion of this book. We'll start reading at verse 4. But before we do that, let's pray. Father, I'm thankful that we're here once again. Lord, we never want to take for granted the opportunity to be able to meet together. And as we do finish this wonderful book of the Old Testament, I ask that you would touch our hearts with it. And even as there is a conclusion to this book, and there's going to be a conclusion to the day in which we are living in, there will be a conclusion to our own lives. And in this portion of scripture there are promises given to us that I pray would bring comfort to us when we face the pain and the hurt and the loss of our own lives when we see the things that are going on around us that Lord we wonder where's everything headed and we don't understand we know that we can fall back into things that we do understand and that is your promises given to us that the Ancient of Days is on the throne. And Lord, that we can be comforted and assured of that. I do pray that this morning, that as we see things that affect us in our lives and we have a major hurricane headed towards Florida, I know, even as our own family, that we have family that is there in the path of that hurricane. We just pray for safety. and Lord, we pray... For for the preparations to be done in the best way. And even, Lord, that your hand would be on that storm to diminish it, even though they say it's going to increase. But, Lord, whatever happens, that we pray for your mercy. We pray for those in the pathway of the storm. The recovery would be quick and efficient. Lord, we look at the things around us in our own community that we saw that a fallen deputy a week ago, her life tragically taken. And Lord, I just want to pray for those at the Well County Sheriff's Office that lost one of their own as they said goodbye yesterday, that you would be with them and bring comfort to them as they continue to do their duties. Lord, we just pray for those around us or maybe even those that are here that have experienced loss and difficulties and trials that Lord there will be a time of rest and our rest comes from you but we pray for that right now and even as Daniel found himself being weak and the things that he saw going on around him that he was told to be strong we can't do it in our own strength. It only comes by you, Lord. Help us be attentive. To come with the expectation right now that you're going to speak to us in a very real way. Draw us to yourself. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So as we enter into to the last portion of, of Daniel, we come to the conclusion of this incredible book. And last week, we actually came to the conclusion of his fourth and final vision recorded 
here in this Old Testament book of Daniel. And it was a vision that would include the culmination of this world prior to the establishment of God's kingdom here on the earth for a thousand years. And as we looked at that in verse 36 of chapter 11 to verse 3 that we concluded last week of chapter 12, it speaks of that time that is yet future. A time that we read that is a time of trouble for Daniel's people such as never was since there was a nation. Jeremiah was on the scene at the time that Daniel was taken off in the captivity. He was in Jerusalem. And in his prophecies, he calls it a time of Jacob's trouble. You can read that in chapter 30 of that book. Jesus in the Olivet Discourse in the Synoptic Gospels would say that it's great tribulations such as the world has never seen or ever will see again. And it is at that time that Michael the great prince shall stand watch over the sons of your people, Daniel, as we read in the opening of this chapter. And whenever we see Dan, uh, Michael, that is the archangel, that we see him in conflict. And, and we know that in chapter 10, as he's mentioned, he was there coming against the prince of Persia in that scene of that spiritual world that is real around us. We know in Revelation chapter 12, that in the time of Jacob's trouble, in this time that Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 is speaking about, we are told that it is Michael that does battle with Satan to where Satan is cast to the earth. We know that Satan in that chapter is also called the accuser of the brethren who accuses us day and night. Listen, he's going to accuse you day and night. He wants to bring you down. He's a liar. He's a destroyer. And he is one that will whisper in your ear, you're not forgiven, you're no good, you're spiritual waste, God doesn't love you, and he will lie to you. And we are told in Revelation chapter 12 that he was overcome by the blood of the Lamb, amen, and the word of testimony. That when he whispers into your ear that you're no good, and you're a spiritual waste, and God doesn't love you, you can say, he does love me because he proved his love for me on Calvary's cross. He shed his blood for me. I am forgiven, and I am a child of the living God and the word of testimony, and that's how he's defeated, and that's how he's defeated in your life. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So in that, in Revelation chapter 12, you have this uh, Michael the archangel doing battle with Satan to where Satan is cast to the earth. And we know that the dragon at that time, Satan, will then directly influence and empower this one that we have seen in the book of Daniel. This one who's called the little horn of chapter 7 that will rise out up out of the ten horns that are the ten, ten kings of the revived Roman Empire in the last days. He is the prince that is to come in chapter 9. John, who is the one who penned the book of Revelation, says that he's the rider on the white horse in the beginning of the tribulation period that comes conquering unto conquer. And we know that John in his first epistle uniquely gives him the title of the Antichrist. And in this time of great tribulation, what he will bring to Israel and to the world is what we have read about here in the book of Daniel, a time of great trouble, a time where the battle of Armageddon will take place that will conclude that seven-year period. And as we have gone over this, we know that verse 3 tells us that there will be a resurrection, and, and some to everlasting life, others to everlasting contempt. And also in verse 3, I want to remind you at this point in our study as we conclude Daniel. That those who are wise, we are told, shall shine. And those who turn many to righteousness will be like the stars of heaven. 
It really is amazing how we can get you know, into that mindset of, I want people to notice me. A lot of people, their ambition and their goal in life is to be a star. We are enamored with movie stars and, and those who are great athletes, those who are in the music industry, those who are famous, and, and we want that. We want to be noticed. We want to be a sensation. I want to shine before people. I want to be a star. And the Lord gives us wisdom. And tells us here in Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, that if you want to be a star in the best sense of the word, for all eternity, then you walk in God's wisdom. And you give people the truth of God's word, and you give them the gospel. You bring them to Jesus Christ. As we are wise servants in the day in which we are looking, living, looking for the Lord's and the Master's return, we know what is going to happen prophetically. And that should cause us to live wisely and to tell others of the good news that Jesus Christ died for them and loves them. Prophecy, you see, is not just to satisfy your curiosity. And it's great to do a study, and it's wonderful. And we get a timeline, and it's important for us because so much of the Bible is about what is ahead. And it should bring comfort to us. But it should also motivate us into activity to walk wisely with him. And as we turn many to righteousness, as we turn them to Jesus, then you and I will shine like the stars of heaven is what the scripture says. And that will happen for all eternity. But if we continue now in verse 4 of chapter 12. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. So seal up the book. And some have said that what this means is that the book of Daniel cannot be understood. And that's not what is being told to us. But seal here means to preserve these words. Don't destroy them. Seal it. It is final. It's not going to be changed. These things are going to come to pass. And it speaks of a writer's stamp of approval. So this is God's approval. Seal it up until the time of the end. So Daniel, as he's writing this, as we've discussed, if you've been with us in our study going through this, this Old Testament book, that he's writing in the 6th century B.C. And all of it, that, that the visions that he saw were future. Now, some of it has been fulfilled, particularly as it speaks about those kingdoms that came and go, uh, came and went, that is, the, the Babylonian Empire, the Medo-Persian Empire, the Grecian Empire, Rome. And we have seen the ram and the goat in chapter 8, for example, uh, Alexander the Great, that Syrian king that we talked about in chapter 11 that came on the scene, Antiochus Epiphanes, that is a picture of what is yet future. So you had the near fulfillment, much of Daniel, what he would prophesy about. And then there's a gap, and much of that gap is the church age. And then this final period of time, Daniel's 70th week, that those things will be fulfilled. The rise of the Antichrist, the one who will come and make a covenant with Israel for one week. That in the middle of the week that he'll put an end to offering and to sacrifice. That he'll desecrate the temple. All these things that we've read as he will then lead the world into a final battle called the Battle Armageddon in the Valley of Jezreel. So those things will be fulfilled. So seal up the book till the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, we're told. And there are those who think, well, this is speaking of a mode of transportation. In the day in which we live in, there's planes and 
and trains and automobiles, and that's what it's speaking about. It's not speaking about that at all. It means to investigate. It means to examine it. It's speaking of, I believe, perhaps in searching after knowledge. Knowledge will be increased. In other words, as we get closer to the return of the Lord, the more we see these stage-setting events coming together that point to the soon return of Jesus Christ. You remember that Jesus in the Olivet Discourse, when they came and asked him, what are the signs of the end and of your coming? He gave those signs. And we're seeing these signs that are shadow what will be a fulfillment in the tribulation period. We know that as we look around, Israel becoming a nation once again. As we see the nations making their alignments, we see what's going on in the church. It's what the Bible speaks of those things. And we can look at it and say the Lord's return is very, very close. That we are indeed in the latter days, the last days. That, that we need to be watching because these things that have been spoken of in the scriptures, that we're seeing that they're beginning to come to pass right before us. Israel coming in and, and rebuilding ancient cities and talk of rebuilding the temples. Absolutely amazing as we talk about these events. But also I want you to know this. <clears throat> that Peter says that in the last days that there will be scoffers that will come on the scene. And those scoffers will come, and they will say that you who are looking for the return of the Lord. Uh, where's the return of, of the Lord since your forefathers' time, as those scoffers say? Everything's continue as they were. Well, things aren't continuing as they are. And, and these things will be coming to a conclusion. These things that we read about are going to come to pass. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And listen, you who believe in the word of God, who believe what the scripture has to say, that these things will come to pass, as John was told to write these things down, not that they might come to pass, or it's a possibility, they will come to pass. That those near fulfillments, you know, those prophecies that were fulfilled to the letter, we can be confident that the future fulfillment is going to come to pass as well. Just as those prophecies that were given concerning the first coming of Christ, that the second coming of Christ, those prophecies will be fulfilled. And there are those that will be scoffing at you and laughing at you. And they will think because you believe in the return of the Lord and these things will come to pass that, you know, you're, you're a kook. You're out to lunch. And we need to stand firm on what the word of God has to say. And we can give truth to others because people are wondering what's going on. Have you ever noticed that whenever there's like a crisis or a war, what's the first question people are asking? Is this the battle of Armageddon? Is this the end of the world? You know, all of a sudden they start thinking about these things. But you stand firm in giving people the truth of God's word and know that these things will come to pass. And there will be the scoffers who will think that you and I, that we're out to lunch because we do believe in these things. Verse 5, we continue reading, Then I, Daniel, looked, and there stood two others, one on this river bank and the other on that river bank. And one said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, How long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? In verse 7, we read, Then I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, and he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven, and swore by him who lives forever, that it shall be for time, that's one year, Times, that's two years, and a half time, that's three and a half years. And when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things shall be finished. So three and a half years is spoken of as two more are seen on the riverbank. The question is, how long? 
shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? So the answer is three and a half years. Again, called Jacob's trouble. Daniel's 70th week, that seven-year period, is divided into two. The last three and a half years is a time of great tribulation. In the middle of the week, we know that the Antichrist will proclaim himself as God in the temple of God to be worshipped as God. And we know that at that time that the world will experience great tribulation, such as Jesus said the world has never seen before, and as Daniel tells us, as the nation has never faced before. So a period of three and a half years, and then in verse 8 we read, Although I heard, I did not understand. And then I said, My Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up, and sealed to the time of the end. And many shall be purified, made white, and refined. But the wicked shall do wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Daniel, I hear you. And Daniel, you're to go ahead and seal up the book till the time of the end. And the wicked are going to keep doing wickedly. The righteous are going to be doing what is right. The wise are going to understand, and the wicked will not understand. And as you talk to people who don't know the things of the Spirit and what the Word of God has to say, they don't understand these things. But you and I, that we have the privilege that we can understand it as we go through this wonderful book and go through all of the Scripture. But Daniel here, it intrigues me that he says, as he sees these two by the riverbank, he's told that the, the fulfillment of this at, the, at verse 7 um, when things shall be finished, all these things finished, it's going to be three and a half years, that Daniel, he replies and he says, I don't understand. I don't understand. There are things that are around us. These things that affect us, that trouble us, things that we deal with, and we hear about things that we experience in our lives, circumstances and challenges and trials and loss and pain. We say, Lord, I don't understand. Lord, where are things headed? I know what the Bible says, there's going to be a future time of great trouble and tribulation. But what about today? Today I'm hurting, or I'm anxious, I worry, I wonder, I don't know what tomorrow holds. As I see the world around me, what's it going to be like for my kids? What's it going to be like for my grandkids as they get older? We begin to wonder, what's going to happen to the economy? <clears throat> There's talk of recession. The interest rates are going up. Inflation, it continues to be high. It's hard to pay the bills. It's, it's very difficult and uncertain. What's going to happen to our nation? When is the next crisis coming? We have a war in Europe where the leader of Russia, Putin, is threatening nuclear weapons. When is the next terrorist attack? When is it going to be the next mass shooting that's going to happen? What's going to happen after the election? Is there going to be another pandemic that will come? 
What about all the lawlessness that abounds? And we can spend a lot of time just thinking about those things and hearing about those things, and then we become anxious and, and burdened about tomorrow. There's a lot of things that we have seen that the Lord has shown us what is ahead. And we look at this prophetic timeline very closely in this book of Daniel. And God showed Daniel remarkable things. And God has a lot to say about the future, things that will transpire. And in light of that, he tells us that you and I are to be sober and vigilant and watching in the days in which we are living in. To live wisely. Because he's going to come at a time that we do not know. And we welcome that the Lord's coming is, is near, I believe. We say, Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. I believe that we will be gathered to him in that blessed hope before this terrible time of the tribulation period. But what's going to happen today, tomorrow, this week? How bad is it going to get as I wait? As you tarry, Lord, today, this week, the rest of the year, Am I the only one that thinks about those things? I don't think so. And we can get so sidetracked and concerned and we get weighed down and we become anxious and we even become mad at what's going on in the world in which we live in. And the world is changing so quickly that darkness is getting darker. The evil is getting more evil. The wicked are doing more wickedly as Daniel writes here in verse 10. And I worry about my family. I worry about the people that I love. I worry about you. About you here at Calvary Chapel because we are a family. And as we ponder those things and we say, Lord, I don't understand a lot of things that he would say this, that then you look to the things that you can understand. And he says this to every single one of us. Go your way. Go your way. The Lord counsels Daniel. He doesn't send him away broken. Daniel, go your way. Finish the remaining course of your life. Seal up the book. In one sense, his role as a prophet is, or the visions that he has received is closed. This is the final thing that I'm showing you, Daniel. And seal up the, the book till the end of the age. And Daniel, you go your way. I know that you don't understand all of it. I mean, these visions were really intense. Daniel would find himself weakened. He would faint. He would fall on his face. He found himself to where he was troubled in his heart. And he was exhorted by the Lord that you be strong, Daniel that you get up and be about the king's business. Daniel was ministered to by the Lord. And Daniel now, at this time, in the book of Daniel, as we finish it, pursue the remaining days of your life. Daniel was taken away from his home when he was just a teenager, never to see it again, probably never to see his family again. He was threatened to be killed by Nebuchadnezzar. He has seen kingdoms rise and fall. He has seen kings come and go. He interpreted the handwriting on the wall. 
He's been thrown into a den of lions. He has received remarkable visions from the Lord. He's encountered angels. And at the end of this book, he says, I don't understand it all. And the Lord says, go thy way. Jesus says to you and to me, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Sufficient for today is its own trouble. But you seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And in the course of our lives, there are seasons of our lives that we don't understand. And we worry, and we wonder, and we fret. And most likely it will continue when we leave this place this morning. And the Lord says to you and to me, go your way. We have jobs to go to, children to raise, businesses to run, our list of things to be done, ministry to do. There are people that need help. There are those who haven't heard the gospel. Now you remember that when Jesus went to the river to be baptized in the synoptic gospels, that it was the voice of the Father that was heard that said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. You might be thinking, what does that have to do with what we're talking about? He comes to the river. The voice of the Father is heard, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, not in whom I will be pleased, but I am well pleased. Now Jesus at that time when he came to the river, he had not started or begun his public ministry. At that time, he had never preached a sermon. He never worked a miracle. He never freed a demoniac. He had not calmed a storm. He hadn't fed the multitude. He would come at that time before his public ministry. And before that time, he worked in a carpenter shop in a little village called Nazareth. And at the age of 12, he said to Joseph and Mary, I must be about my father's business. He did that in his life up until he was 30 years of age before he began his public ministry and he was living in a way where the father says, I am well pleased. In the obscurity of the multitudes and of the nation, outside of human view. And that's where most of us will spend our days. We will live our lives in the obscurity of the world. We're not going to be in the who's who of the world. But we have a Father, and we have a Creator who created us for His good pleasures. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. He desires to use us. He has a plan for us. Before the foundation of the world, He knew all about us. He walks with us. He's found by us as we call out to Him. He sees everything. And I know that I want my Lord to save me in whom I am well pleased. I fail like anybody else. I've fallen short in, in my life and being the man of God that he wants me to be, the father, the husband, the pastor. But I desire to put those things under the blood of Jesus and to live a life for him. And I know that you have the same heart. You want the Lord to look down and say, in whom I am well pleased, and leading your family men 
in raising your kids and in your job and in your business, in your conduct and in your speech with others. And the most profound theology for any of us is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ in loving others and treating others the way that the Lord would want us to. Or are we always just busy and I'm going to get one up on everybody and win the argument and <clears throat> cranky and grumpy and all of this all the time. Being rude. That ought not to be for us. That we're to look out not only for our own interests but for the interests of others. To esteem others highly. To treat others in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. To live our life in a way that is pleasing to Him. And as we travel through life, we come to that place where we become worried and anxious. And we hear the voice of the Lord saying, keep living your life in a way that is pleasing to me. Go your way. And maybe you're here and what weighs on you is you think, I have blown it and I, I, I failed so badly. He is forgiving. Go to the Lord. You repent and you say, Lord, forgive me. So I can go my way. Remember he told the woman caught in adultery, go your way and sin no more. Forgetting those things which are behind, I press forward to the upward call of, of the prize of Christ Jesus and, and move forward in the Lord and he is going to give you the power as you cry out to him to live a life for him. Because you have the Holy Spirit of God that's in you. So tomorrow... You go to work, and you go to school, and you pay your bills. You go to the store tomorrow. You pray tomorrow. You read your Bible. You live each and every day that is pleasing to the Lord, and you keep the Lord close to you, and you love others. And you listen to others. And you serve others. And husbands, you serve your wife. And you minister to your kids. You take care of them. And you be a blessing to others and a light because you see it's not just believing the gospel, it's living the gospel. It's just not speaking with words, but it's living the gospel so others may see the reality of Christ in you. Go your way, Daniel. And then we read as in verse 11, speaking of the end, and from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away to the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. And blessed is he who waits and comes to 1,335 days. Interesting verse that from the time as he is told that it's going to be three and a half years, times, times, and a half times, the fulfillment of the end of all these things. And then from the time of the daily sacrifice, remember Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, as we put it all together, that the Antichrist will, in the middle of the week, that he will go into the rebuilt temple, and he will desecrate the temple, set up an image of himself, proclaim himself as God. Here, as you read the book of Revelation, you see the times, times, and a half times, three and a half years, 42 months, or 1,260 days. 
Here is 1,290 days. So what's the extra 30 days? And then he says, blessed is he who comes to 1,335 days. So there's another 45 days. So an extra 75 days, 1,260 to 1,335. What are those 75 days? So commentators and scholars, they discuss this. What is Daniel speaking about? Well, when the Lord comes back, there's going to be the judgment of the nations according to Matthew chapter 25, right? Matthew chapter 25, uh, in the valley of Jehoshaphat, I believe is what Ezekiel chapter 20 tells us, there'll be the destruction of the tribulation temple, there'll be the building of the millennial temple. We know that the earth is going to be scorched, that the, the waters are all going to be bloody, the vegetation's going to be scorched. From Jerusalem, as the waters come up, the healing waters flowing to the Dead Sea, which will be uh, fishable. Nothing lives in the Dead Sea now. To the Mediterranean, it will heal the waters. All this is taking place. The desert's going to bloom. And the restoration of Israel. I believe this is taking place in the 75 days as the millennium reign will begin. And then the last verse, but you go your way till the end, for you shall rest and will rise to your inheritance at the end of the days. I want us to take note of the last thing that is said to the great prophet here, that you go your way till the end. Daniel's at the end of his life. And the things that you saw and wrote down, there is an end. The ancient of days will reign forever. And he gets two promises Daniel gets here that are for us as we go our way till the end. And just as there is an end to Daniel's day, and just as there's going to be an end to this world, there's a culmination and conclusion to it. There is an end that will come to your day. As we live on this side of eternity, there's two promises that are given to Daniel, and they're given to us. Number one, you'll come to that time of rest. And then secondly, you shall arise to your inheritance at the end of the days. Those of us who are in Christ. It's a wonderful promise that you and I have in the life that we're living now. As we go our way, as we look forward. How do I go my way? How do I continue to live my life? Paul said that each of us have a race to run. We're to run that race in such a way that I might receive the prize. And it isn't that I'm running against you and you're running against everybody else. It's your race. You have a race and I have a race. And there are rewards to be received as we run our race. And Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that we are to run our race with endurance, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. If you just keep looking at all the stuff that's out there, and listen, I'm one that I like to watch the news. I like to be informed. I like to know what's going on. But if I watch it over and over again, hour after hour, all the, the news talk shows, all the things that are there, it begins to just make me angry. It begins to weigh on me. I become weak. You've got to keep your eyes on the Lord, who's the author and finisher of our faith. To spend time with Him. To keep an eternal perspective and a biblical worldview. Paul would say to the Ephesian elders, I know tribulation and trials await me, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself that I might finish my race with joy in the ministry that is received from the Lord. I don't want my joy being robbed from me, but to have that joy inexpressible. And then Paul at the end of his life would say that I finished my race as he called for Timothy. 
And all of us, the race that is set before us will come to a finish and a conclusion. And we will have rest. But he desires to give us rest now. That rest found in Christ as he stood on that hillside in Galilee and said, Come to me, all of you who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And you'll find rest for your soul. And we will have rest in eternity as we go home to be with him. We will have rest from the toil and the trials and the struggles and the anxiety and the pain and the hurt. And there will be rest in that eternal home that is promised to us. And we will arise to our inheritance, the riches of Christ, the riches of the living God are unimaginable because we're sons and daughters of the living God. And he's the one that will lead us to the green pastures and beside still waters. We will sit under the fig tree and eat from the vineyard. It all speaks of peace and rest and an eternal inheritance. And ladies, those of you involved in your Tuesday night study in Ephesians as it takes you to the heavenly, that you might recall in chapter 1, for the believers, Paul prays that you may understand what is the hope of his calling. There's a glorious future of resurrection, eternal life, free from sin, perfect in glory. And then Paul says something very remarkable. That you would know the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. We have an eternal inheritance that is so glorious that we can't even imagine it. But then the Lord turns around and he says that, that as Paul is praying and declaring that you may understand the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. In other words, the Lord looks at you and says that you are his inheritance. That's remarkable to me. I think I'm your inheritance. Lord, you got the bad end of the deal because <laughs> he says that's how valuable you are to me. It's how important you are to me. The wicked are going to do more wickedly. But you run your race with joy. Learn to be content. You live in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. And when your race is over, I'll gather you to myself. He says, I'll hold you in my arms. You're going to be ushered into rest. There's an inheritance that is waiting for you. But in the meantime... Go your way. So, Father, we thank you for this word, this encouragement given to us. And I thank you that we can be blessed in this way of knowing that these promises are for us, not just for Daniel. I do want to pray if there's anyone here listening that you have not made a commitment to Jesus Christ for salvation. He is your salvation. There's none other. You will never be good enough. You can't earn your salvation. It's a free gift given by those of faith who come and call out in the name of the Lord, the one who says in their hearts, I know that I'm a sinner and I need to repent and turn to Jesus who died for me on that cross <clears throat> and cried out, it is finished. He did the work. He paid the price. So, Father, I pray for the one who comes, believing you rose from the grave, calling out on your name, that they can do that right now because today is the day of salvation. They can say, and that includes anyone who's listening right now, 
you come to Christ. You say, I come and I ask that you forgive me of my sins, Lord. I know I'm a sinner, but you died for me. Forgive me. And I believe you rose from the grave in your life, and I ask that you would be my personal Lord and Savior. And I thank you for bringing me into the family of God. I thank you for this new beginning and making all things new. And I do want to live in a way that's pleasing to you, Lord, to know you and walk with you all the days of my life in Jesus' name. But I also want to pray, listen, if there's anyone here and you're just, you come in maybe feeling condemned or weighed down or just feeling cold towards the Lord, he loves you. You are his inheritance. And if there are things that you need to turn away from, repent of, do it. Because he doesn't want you to live in sin. Being weighed down by sin and carnality, it's going to hurt you. And it hurts your fellowship with him. Put it aside and press forward and go your way and sin no more. Live in a way that you're relying on him and the power of the Holy Spirit because you are free. You're free from sin and you're free from the power of sin as you just hold every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ and reckon it to be so, identifying with Christ in this newness of life. And you can pray, Lord, I come to you and I receive that. And I pray that you would just forgive me of this carnality or sin or attitude, whatever it is, I need to turn from it and I give it to you and ask for forgiveness. And I know that your love remains and there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So Lord, I want to live in your love and live in a way that is pleasing to you from this day forward. And Lord, I thank you for this morning that we can be encouraged in every way. I thank you for this book. Thank you for this study that we've been embarked in. Bless everyone here as we go our way. In Jesus' name.